The following is an emergency podcast episode about the war in Ukraine. All monetization of this episode will be going to Global Givings Ukraine Crisis Relief Fund. Please consider making a donation yourself. Link in the show notes. Justin Sherman, fellow at the Atlantic Council, here to talk Russia and cyber. We're recording this uh, Saturday afternoon, U.S. time on February the 26th. Justin, let's take us back and do a brief history of Putin and uh, cyber operations in connection with uh, hot wars. With Putin and cyber in general, we're going back to the beginning of uh, his presidency over two decades ago. The Russian government has long developed cyber capabilities, but for a while that was mainly focused on espionage, stealing information for intelligence purposes, maybe handing that off to then do some kinetic thing, but really just about taking data for, for spying reasons. Then we see around 2005, 2006, uh, the Russian military start to think a lot more about how all this cyber stuff could be pretty useful in an actual armed conflict. And so we start to see this play out uh, in the 2008 Russo-Georgian War, for example. Uh, there were a ton of cyber attacks coming from Russia against all of these targets uh, in Georgia to try and undermine the flow of information. There were big DDoS attacks sending tons of bogus traffic to websites to knock offline government sites, journalism websites, other things, recognizing in the Kremlin's view that when you're in a conflict, information is incredibly important, whether that's information going to citizens from the government or journalists to the rest of the world. And so using cyber to undermine that can be really effective. We've seen the same thing play out a number of other times um, even with Russian uh, proxy military companies and other things where they're launching a physical attack, but they're using cyber to understand their target ahead of time or to take websites offline to undermine information flows. And so that's sort of the general history that matters here when we're talking about what's happening in Ukraine now. Even in 2014, when Russia illegally invaded Crimea, there were a number of cyber attacks from Russia against Ukraine, and there were even reports from at least one Ukrainian internet provider that unknown men, likely Russian proxies, were actually cutting, like physically chopping fiber optic internet cables on the land to try and disrupt internet access in Crimea. So, which didn't entirely work, and that's another thing, but we see this time and time again where you know, in the West, sometimes we talk about cyber is very different from kinetic stuff. Russia sees a lot of that now is very fused. Sure. So let's take us up to February 22. What what if, what what were the sort of cyber lead up operations to um, to what's happening right now? And and and, you know, what's the state of play four days into the war? The information operations are worth mentioning. We make you know, very, very strong distinctions in the West between cyber operations, sort of the ones and zeros and code and information operations, disinformation, fake videos, etc. And that's not as clear a line uh, in the Kremlin's view. And so, uh, you know, we've seen a ton of disinformation about Ukraine. Of course, there was U.S. and U.K. intel reporting about 
the Russians possibly creating fake videos as a false pretext for invasion and all these kinds of things. And I'm not going to repeat all the patently false, you know, propaganda they've propagated, but that's been a big part of it. And then uh, at least in mid-January, we were already seeing hacks of Ukrainian entities coming from within Russia. There were DDoS attacks in recent weeks against Ukrainian banks, against Ukrainian government websites. Again, like I mentioned with that history, recognizing that if you take information offline, that can be valuable as an attacker. Um, We've also seen wiper attacks. So malware that goes on the machine, deletes all this stuff against targets in Ukraine and Ukrainian contractors in Lithuania and other countries. Um, And on top of that, we've seen uh, hacks and phishing against civilians and civil society organizations. The Kyiv Post, uh, which is one of the most important and influential media outlets in Ukraine, has been under constant cyber attack since Russian troops uh, attacked. Um, You know, we've seen even the Belarusian military actually launch a number of phishing campaigns against Ukrainians and against the Ukrainian military. So it's, I'm sure more will happen in the coming coming days and, and weeks. It's, it's something that's still very much playing out. One more thing before we get into the current operations. There was this very odd story about a month ago now of Russia arresting one of its sort of leading, most prominent cyber, you know, criminal gangs. Do you have any any thoughts about what was going on there? Was that a sort of signal to everyone else to get to get with the program? Or does does anyone have a clue of how that um, how that story relates at all to what we're seeing now? There's still some debate about that. Did that actually happen? Was that just for show? Right. Um, This is that you actually raise a really important point, though, even in the context of and this does matter for Ukraine, which is that when we're talking about cyber threats from the Russian government. We're not just talking about members of the government. We're not just talking about the military and the security services, although they do have extremely sophisticated cyber capabilities. We're also talking about uh, patriotic hacking groups, about front companies, other proxies, criminals that the Kremlin recruits or forces to do things. And so that's very much a part of it. To your point, the social contract between the Kremlin and Russian cyber criminals is basically twofold. One is go after foreign targets, much more than or entirely more than domestic ones. And two, don't undermine the Kremlin's objectives. There have been some cases where you get hackers doing weird things against Russian targets arrested, hackers doing things in ways that sort of mess with what the Kremlin wants. Same thing. Um, But to your point, that ransomware group, the White House said, was not Putin-controlled, Putin-directed, okay. But at this point, Putin's aware of it. That's been a huge source of debate. The U.S. has wanted Russia to crack down. And so is it possible that they did, in fact, uh, you know, arrest some of those folks? Yes. Is it possible that was made up? Yes. And maybe they arrested them and then let them go or said, hey, you know, be careful about such and such U.S. target. Who's who's to say? Um, but I would be skeptical in general that the Kremlin is willing to actually crack down on on cyber criminals. They bring in a ton of money, but like I said, 
the state wants those proxies available to recruit in conflicts like what's happening right now. Sure. So, you know, looking at what what's happened in Ukraine so far, you know, all the lights are not out. Um, it seems like you sort of cyber Armageddon is not something that has hit uh, Ukraine at the moment. Is that a reflection of Russian capabilities of Ukrainian uh, defenses plus whatever help they're getting from around the world? Um, or is this a or is this a decision by Russia not to escalate to the degree that they uh, potentially could if they wanted to push things forward in this domain? I would say uh, more likely the third. It's it's very likely just the fact that Russia has opted to not do something like that in the present moment. As you noted, we're only a couple days into Russia's uh, assault on Ukraine, and so it's hard to say definitively. I mean, you really can't, right? Nobody can say definitively what is and is not going to happen. Um, exactly to what you said, though, there has been some reporting and speculation that maybe when, you know, if Russia managed to take over Kiev, they would then impose a communications blackout. There's, uh, there was, you know, there's some rumors from some Ukrainian intelligence sources that one of the possible plans Russia has in the playbook is to launch a massive series of attacks that could be physical, that could be cyber, could be both on energy and telecommunications infrastructure to knock out electricity, knock out the internet, knock out cell phones, cause panic, undermine, you know, people's ability to track troops, the world's ability to watch what's happening, um, you know, force another thing, force Ukrainians into the streets, which then will impede the flow of, of uh, Ukrainian military forces. So, you know, I know that's not uh, maybe the most helpful answer, but I just think at this stage, right, to your point, they have these capabilities. We know they do. They've shut down Ukraine's power grid multiple times alone. Um, so it's an open question in the coming days and weeks what Russia will or will not do against that kind of critical infrastructure. Justin, let's turn to the questions currently facing policymakers in the West. Um, what are the sort of dilemmas and decisions that uh, the White House and, and capitals in Europe are going to have to take uh, in regards to the cyber domain in the coming days and weeks? Yeah, that's a great question. One is thinking about the, the of course, these aren't really separable, but for conversation's sake, we'll say defense and then offense. So Defensively, uh, the U.S. has put out numerous advisories, and so is the U.K., saying we don't have a specific threat. We don't have intel saying Russia is about to hit X bank, let's say. But because of what's going on right now, critical infrastructure and critical industry sectors in the West should be monitoring for very unusual activities should be very prepared for the possibility of getting hit by Russian um, hacking. Now, the U.S. advisory on this said that they from from the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency said that they believe that uh, if Putin perceives the West as meaningfully assisting Ukraine, he might launch cyber operations against American targets. Um, 
the perceives word there is really, really important because Vladimir Putin does not view opposition movements as legitimate. There's a variety of complex and not so complex reasons for that, but uh, essentially sees these kinds of, of opposition movements around the world as foreign funded. Point being, it's not very difficult for him to imagine a U.S. hand where there isn't. So there really is a real risk that U.S. systems are hit, uh, and same with European ones. Um, in terms of offensively what we can do, and I'll include helping Ukraine there, EU and U.S. Uh, and other officials have been helping Ukraine for years try and boost their cyber defenses. Um, as, but the, the open question is, what are we doing right now? It's very possible that we are doing things in the classified domain covertly in cyberspace. Um, there, of course, was the NBC report the other day, then quickly uh, said to be false by the White House press secretary about Biden getting a series of cyber options. Um, again, options, and there's a huge gulf between getting a list of things you can do and then doing it. But the U.S. is thinking about this. I think, um, you know, the, the point you had mentioned about What's the calculus? To me, the real concern here about, say, throwing a bunch of U.S. cyber operations against Russia right now is escalatory risks and spillover risks. The Biden administration very clearly does not want to have, at this literal day moment, direct U.S. versus Russian military conflict. The Biden administration weeks ago, right, had said, no American troops will come into direct fighting with Russian troops, even as we send guns and other things to Ukraine. Um, and right now, well, just on that point for one second, seeing videos of Ukrainian troops not having helmets and the idea that like, you know, it, uh, Tony Blinken today put out a statement saying, oh, over the past year, we've spent more than a billion dollars sending them stuff. It's like a billion dollars is like, peanuts uh sort of looking back at 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 the the sort of uh meeting um uh uh ends and means here but anyways uh oh, back to you justin no 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 i mean that's a fair point right and i agree with you I, I you know i mean that to say right the biden administration has been doing a little bit but has been very averse to actually throw its weight behind this and you raise a good point i mean broadly i i have many criticisms with the the, the u.s approach to these recent events including again Masha Gessen did an amazing uh, interview on this the other day uh, about sort of the American delusion that if we just keep sanctioning random Russian entities that they can easily work around, we're going to somehow deter Putin, which is absurd. But um, yeah, right. So but point being, right, for for better or worse in various ways, that is the sort of the U.S. concern right now is escalation, is Putin doing a bunch of stuff back of the fact that, you know, questions about whether or not he's gone off the rails, frankly, because there have been various folks publicly and privately who've, who've made those kinds of comments. Um, so there's a lot of concern about that escalation issue. But as we start to see, you know, Russian troops get closer and closer uh, to the center of Kiev and killing more and more Ukrainians, you really do wonder, you know, why are we not or can we, you know, what can we be doing uh, even just in cyber alone to stop that from happening? 
So instead of hanging out at home recording a China Talk podcast episode, uh, instead, uh, let's pretend we have uh, Cyber Czar Sherman walking into the National Security Council this afternoon. What are you telling the president? At least three things. One, at least three things. One, as I mentioned, just because Russia has not deployed a wide range of aggressive capabilities yet, turning off power grids, attacking electrical uh, and, and telecommunication systems, doesn't mean they're not going to tomorrow. It doesn't mean they're not going to in two weeks. We can't take that off the table. The second thing is that we have to be watching far beyond the Russian military. In many, many, many recent kinetic conflicts, the Kremlin literally will get on TV and say something about a foreign target, and then all these patriotic hackers of their own volition will start doing stuff. They will turn to cyber criminals. The FSB will literally call these people up and have them do stuff. So we have to be looking at actually this entire really complex thorny proxy web that they have to launch attacks. The Belarusian military has been launching attacks in cyber, right? So we can't just focus on the Russian forces. And then the third thing is that, um, you know, we have to think about the pros and cons of getting involved in cyber covertly right now. Certainly, the president, right, has has expressed a clear aversion to openly uh, sort of engaging with Russia in a more conflict-oriented capacity, even though we've done sanctions, which doesn't count uh, to me. So, you know, what can we do covertly, maybe, if we're not going to do something overtly to impede Russian troop movements, maybe go after communication systems, or could we do stuff to uh, oligarch finances? And and, and, and what's your... You know, what's your if then statement on uh, more aggressive cyber attacks? Well, I think we have to ask the question, are are we willing to do what we're currently doing and risk that the Russian government literally takes over Ukraine? I personally think the answer should be no. I also think you have to ask the question just in general uh, as a, you know, a national security uh, planner. Do we think Putin's going to stop at Ukraine? Do we think Putin's going to, you know, launch operations at the West after Ukraine, right? Like there's all these other things that we don't know whether they're going to happen or not. And so we can't predicate entirely all our decision making just on what's happening today. The the other question is the sort of balance between cyber and hard power and to what extent, you know, cy- like you know, uh, an eight out of 10 uh, American cyber attack would actually make a difference on the ground uh, in uh, in on the ground in Ukraine. If you targeted things like Russian military communication systems. You know, that would have a big effect again, though, then you get back to the question of, well, if we're telling Cyber Command, which is a U.S. military organization to take out communication systems of a foreign military, while that foreign military is waging a war, right, again, it just comes back to this this question of how that sits, of how Russia will see that, and the U.S. concerns about escalation. Closing thoughts, Justin? Unfortunately, as I, as I said, as we've talked about, we cannot use the past few days as necessarily the indicator of what's to come in cyber, and so 
um, you know, I just hope that we are the government, right, Europe and, and everyone else is doing what they can right now to prepare for the fact that Russia very well may in the coming days or weeks target, um, you know, Ukrainian systems in a much more aggressive way. And the the sort of the thoughts, like the, the chance and likelihood that whatever they do spills out into the rest of the world? It depends what they do. If they are hacking directly into internet service provider facilities and taking systems offline in Ukraine, that's different than if they launch a ransomware attack, which is also, I would say, on the table. And then that ransomware starts spreading everywhere, as we saw with NotPetya several years ago, which, of course, was you know, economically, by many estimates, the most devastating uh, cyber attack in history. So um, spillover is very possible. It depends on what kind of attacks and, and against what kind of targets. Justin, thanks for being a part of China Talk. Thanks for having me.